Good morning, everyone. <laughs> I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And I hope you're all very glad to be here today in the house of the Lord to worship, to pray, and just to be together. So a few announcements that I wanted to make. Um, first of all, VBS, we have one more week until VBS starts on Monday the 11th. So if you have any children in your life or you know of any that you want to encourage to come, you can sign up in the office or with Terry or anywhere. <laughs> but we welcome, we welcome all the children. Uh, Jason will be back in the office on Tuesday, so his vacation will be over then. And the choir was going to be singing today, but due to a number of illnesses, they are not, so their vacation is starting today. Um, we were going to thank them for their service and tell them, see you in September, but now we'll just say, see you in September. So, and then in your bulletin, there's a flyer, kind of a, a save the date for Harriet Steinhouse's memorial service. And it's partly because her family really would like to get a kind of a count for refreshments. They're planning to have the reception afterwards catered. And so they were kind of looking at numbers. So if you look at that and you're planning on attending, then please give them a call. The number is there. And just let them know that you will be there. So that being our announcements, now let's quiet our hearts and our minds and prepare to worship. For the call to worship today, I chose Psalm 33. Happy is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all humankind. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and shield. Our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. And I read that and I think we declare ourselves to be one nation under God. And that is what this psalm is saying. God looks down upon all humankind. And you know, you take a coin out of your purse, your pocket, wherever, and you look at it, and every coin says, in God we trust. And so we want to live following that, following that knowledge that our God is looking down upon us, and we can trust in him. Pray with me. Almighty God, we come to you in this time and place seeking your blessings, 
knowing we will find you here. Here may the faithful find salvation and the careless be awakened. May the doubting find faith and the anxious be encouraged. May the sorrowful find comfort, the weary find rest, and the strong be renewed. May we all be inspired being in your holy presence today. Amen. And now, let us sing unto the Lord. Please stand for our hymn of praise. Good morning. May I invite the kids and the youth and the students and anyone else who wants to come. (laughs) Good morning. Okay, so you guys have to have all the answers. (laughs) It's not that hard. No trick questions, I promise. Um, So let's start with what are we celebrating tomorrow? Fourth of July. 
there's another word for 4th of July, Independence Day. Hi there, come on up. We're talking about celebrating the 4th of July tomorrow. When you see this, this is our flag, what does it make you think of? I didn't hear you. It makes you think of the United States. It is, because this is the flag of our country. That's great. What does it make you think of? Freedom. That's a great answer. Good job. Great answers. Anyone else? Well, those were two excellent answers. It makes you think of freedom, and it makes you think of the United States of America. And we're called the land of the free and the home of the brave. I'm going to set this down for a minute. Do you guys know that freedom is not free? Does that make sense? Let me explain. I'm going to turn around this way for a minute. If there is anyone in the audience who has been in the, served in the armed services, will you please stand? These would be anybody who's been in the Air Force or the Army or the Navy or the Marines. If you are the spouse of a service person, will you please stand? These men and women here bought our freedom from us. You can sit down. Thank you so much. And we thank you for your service. Some of these men and women went to war. Some of them may have been wounded. And there may be some here who had a family member who gave the greatest cost, actually died for our country. So our freedom is not free. Men and women have paid the price so that we can live free. What are some of the freedoms that we enjoy? I'll start and say one of them is that we can worship freely in our Christianity. There are some Christians around the world that have to hide. And if the government finds out that there are Christ followers, that they believe in Jesus Christ, they can go to jail or worse. Some, some might be put to death. So we have the freedom to worship Christ in the open and come together in the open. What are some of the freedoms that you experience in your daily life? Do you get to choose what you eat or choose what you wear? Great, great. And we'll say that your parents got to choose where you live. And one day when you're all done with school, you'll get to choose where you're going to college. So we have lots of freedoms in America. There's another freedom. The price of our Christianity was bought also. Do you know who paid the price? So the men and women here paid the price for our freedoms as Americans. Do you know who paid the price for our freedom as Christians? God. Yes, God. Because he loved us so much that he sent his son And when Jesus died on the cross, 
he died to sin. So we no longer have to be captive to sin. And he, he died for death. So we no longer have to die. We're going to eternally be with God forever and ever. But Jesus had to go to the cross and give up his own life so that we could be free and in that. So tomorrow, when we're celebrating, whether we're going to a parade or having a picnic or a barbecue or getting together with friends and neighbors, let's remember the men and women who paid the price so we could live free as Americans and Jesus who paid the ultimate price so that we could be free to worship him and live forever and ever with him. Will you please pray with me? Dear God, thank you for the freedom that we enjoy in our country. We are thankful for those who paid the price for that freedom. But even more important, we thank you for the freedom we have because Jesus was willing to pay the penalty for our sin. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great Sunday school, guys, and have a very safe and happy 4th of July.
Got one more go at it. Here we go. I am free to run. I am free to run. I am free to dance. I am free to dance. I am free to live for you. Jump that octave. Here we go. I am free to run. I am free to run. I am free to dance. I am free to dance. I am free to live for you. I am free to live for you. I am free.
And as a child of God, we have that wonderful privilege of going to our Father in prayer. Remember that our Lord Jesus can sympathize with us in our weaknesses, since in every respect he was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with boldness approach the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us confess together our sins against God and neighbor. Merciful God, you pardon all who truly repent and turn to you. We humbly confess our sins and ask your mercy. We have not loved you with a pure heart, 
nor have we loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have not done justice, loved kindness, or walked humbly with you, our God. Have mercy on us, O God, in your loving kindness, in your great compassion, cleanse us from our sin. Do not cast us away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from us. Restore to us the joy of your salvation and sustain us with your bountiful spirit. Amen. The saying is true and worth of full acceptance. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might be dead to sin and alive to all that is good. I declare to you, in the name of Jesus Christ, that we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Would you stand?
Thank you, Brian and Jim, particularly pinch hitting for the choir. (laughs) And you did an excellent job, by the way. (laughs) Oh, good morning, good morning. Freedom. Wow. What a word. It's a common word. We've sung it, I don't know, 50 times this morning already. But it does have somewhat of a complex meaning. Tomorrow, we're celebrating our country's birthday. Does anyone know which number birthday it is? 246. What'd you say? I, oh, a 146. No, 246. 246. 246 years since the colonists won their freedom from England. Most of us learned in grammar school that the pilgrims came to America in search of religious freedom, right, in 1620. At that time, England was requiring of all of their citizens that the the citizens had to join the Church of England. Now, I'll give you a little bit of a history lesson. The Church of England at this point is only 86 years old. It was formed by Henry VIII when he had an issue with Catholicism in 1534. The Puritans arrived on America's shores just 10 years later. They, too, were in search of religious freedom and the opportunity to live as they wanted. For the next 150 years, more and more people are coming to America in search of freedom. The 13 colonies are formed, governments are created, and then in 1763 the colonists are feeling oppressed again. They're being taxed unfairly, and their grievances are not being addressed by the crown. And then, on April 19th, 1775, the shot heard round the world. Sixteen miles of battles raged along Bay Road from Boston to Concord, The colonists had finally reached their limit and were willing to fight for freedom and independence from England. The very definition of freedom, the power or right to act, speak, and think as one wants to without hindrance or restraint, is woven into the very DNA of our country. Together this morning, we're going to explore what freedom means to us as Americans and, more importantly, what freedoms means to us as Christ followers. Let's take a look at our text for today. It comes from Galatians 5. We're going to start in verse 1 and then skip down to verse 13. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become enslaved to one another. For the whole law can be summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, 
take care that you are not consumed by one another. This is the word of the Lord. Will you please pray with me? Magnificent and holy God, we are humbled at the thought that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, forgive us for all the ways, big and small, that we squander the freedom that Jesus purchased for us with his very blood in search of false and selfish freedoms that continue to hold us in bondage. Open our ears, our minds, and our hearts to hear from your Holy Spirit today. Lord, I pray that you will transform the human words from my mouth to be truly your words for each one of us today. In the precious and powerful name of Jesus the Christ, amen. How do you define freedom? Take just a moment to reflect on that. The colonists defined freedom as emancipation from the crown, deliverance, and the power of self-determination. In modern-day America, I think generally we seem to view freedom in terms of our rights, specifically my rights, and what's best for me. Most of us view freedom in this highly personal, self-centered fashion, the right to do what we please, when we please, and not have anyone, including the government, tell us what we can do. It is part of our DNA. At its core, our modern-day definition of freedom is at best individualistic and at worst selfish. This false freedom is not the freedom that Christ purchased for us. And this modern-day definition is not how first-century Christians would have heard the message from Paul. The freedom Christ bought for us is the freedom from sin and guilt and condemnation It's the freedom from the suffocating oppression of having to do good, to keep the law, to earn our way to God. It's the freedom from the penalty and the power of sin in our lives. This is the real freedom worthy of the price that Christ paid for us on the cross. In verse 1, Paul says that Christ set us free. In Christ, we have freedom, but with that freedom, we also have responsibility. Our responsibility, he says in verse 1, is to stand firm. Why? We stand firm to renounce sin. We stand firm to refrain from sin. We stand firm to break the grip that sin has on humanity by the grace of God. Paul calls sin the yoke of slavery. Before Jesus, all of humanity was a slave to sin. And yes, the law helped mitigate that, but the law did not eradicate sin. 
please understand, we cannot save ourselves. We cannot make ourselves free, try and try as we might. Only Christ can set us free. He came. He came to set the captives free and to break us from the chains of bondage. If we struggle to free ourselves, then all we do is get ourselves entangled in this yoke of slavery. God incarnated as Jesus, and he lived among us, and he died for us, and the gospel message is that through his grace, we are free. We're free from the law. We're free from transgression. We're free to be who God created each and every one of us to be. Are you living in the freedom that Christ purchased for you? We owe it to Jesus to live in that freedom. Skipping down to verse 13, Paul again emphasizes that Christ has set us free. He characterizes this freedom as our calling. That freedom, however, does not give us a license to sin or a license to be self-indulgent. Freedom in Christ is not freedom from obedience. Actually, it's quite the opposite. Christ's love not only redeems us and saves us and frees us, but as we draw nearer and nearer to him, his love should mold and shape and change and transform us. And if Christ's love consumes us, then we no longer live for ourselves, but for Christ. And if we live for him, then we live to serve him. And in serving him, we serve each other. In Mark 10, Jesus said, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Theologian and author John Piper said it this way, No one but the Son of God can suffer for us the way Christ did. However, this unique suffering after pardoning and justifying sinners transforms them into people who act like Jesus. Not like him in that we can pardon. Like him in the way he loves. Herein lies the paradox of freedom. Christ sets us free indeed. And the closer and closer that we draw to Christ, the more our lives begin to embody the gospel message. And the more we move from free to slave, from free to servant. You heard me right. 
The freedom we have in Christ is transformed by our faith through his grace into service to the world. Jesus, as the Son of God, had more freedom than all humanity, and yet he used his freedom to serve through love. When we are transformed by Christ and freed to serve, we end up fulfilling the great commandment to love our neighbors like ourselves. And here's the well-kept secret. Serving one another will keep us from destroying ourselves through strife. Paul sends us this stern warning in verse 15. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Yes, we are called to freedom, but we are also held accountable to how we use that freedom. If we choose a self-centered freedom, then we are at risk of thinking too highly of ourselves. That God loves us because we're special, as if we had anything to do with that. That God uses us because we're so valuable, again, as if we had anything to do with that. This thinking breeds arrogance and self-importance. If the church is filled with prideful members who think like this, who think that the church cannot function properly without them, then they bite and devour one another, and their fruit in the world is negligible. Theologian and author N.T. Wright said, the controversies that had been raging in Galatia had apparently led to serious disturbances in the church, to which Paul refers with the strong language of bite and devour. It was essential that in learning how to be truly free, the young Christians came to realize that squabbling amongst themselves was a sign that they were still enslaved. Worse still, it was the path to destruction. If things went on like that, quite soon there wouldn't be a church at all in Galatia. 2,000 years later, this threat is still real. Paul is warning us too. So what's the antidote to biting and devouring one another? It's the great commandment, right? It's to love one another. Paul reduces the gospel message in verse 14 to one word. One word. What is it? Love. Agape love. A pure and deliberate love. A sacrificial love that intentionally desires the other's highest good. Christ freed us from sin and death, not so that we could be selfish, but so that we could serve one another in love. Tomorrow, we'll all be celebrating the 4th of July, and that's good. That's good. We are the land of the free and the home of the brave, 
But many of us, many of us still aren't truly living free, not in the Christian context. We're not free from sin. We're not free from performance anxiety or feeling that we don't quite measure up, that we're not good enough. How is that free? How is that free? Our Christian freedom is constrained by the cross and deeply at odds with our American individualistic notions of freedom. Brothers and sisters, we are not our own. We were bought at a great price. Our identity in Christ is expressed through love and service to Jesus and then to one another. It's called the great commandment for a reason. I don't, I don't believe that the issues for us are so much so that we think too highly of ourselves. Although there may be, and you listen to the Holy Spirit on that. But I think that the reason that we're still in the yoke of slavery is because we don't fully realize who we are in Christ. And boy, boy, if we did, and if we got together, we would do nothing short of transform the world. You are God's child, John 1.12. You have been justified, Romans 5.1. You are united with the Lord and are one spirit with him, 1 Corinthians 6.17. You are a saint, a holy one, Ephesians 1.1. You have been bought with a price and belong to God, 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20. You have been redeemed and forgiven of all your sins, Colossians 1, 14. You are complete in Christ, Colossians 2, 10. You are free from condemnation, Romans 8, 1 through 2. You are assured that all things work together for good, Romans eight twenty eight. You are confident that the work that God has begun in you will be perfected, Philippians 1.6. You cannot be separated from the love of God, Romans 8.35-39. You have been established, anointed, and sealed by God, 2 Corinthians 1.21 and 22. You are born of God, and the evil one cannot touch you, 1 John 5.18. You have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. 2 Timothy 1.7 You have been chosen and appointed by God to bear fruit. John 15.16 You are sealed with Christ in the heavenly realms. Ephesians 2.6 You are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Matthew 5.13 and 14 You are God's workmanship created for good works, Ephesians 2.10. You are a minister of reconciliation for God, 2 Corinthians 5.17-21. You may approach God with freedom and confidence, Ephesians 3.12. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, 
Philippians 4.13. Amen. 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 Will you please pray with me? Holy and merciful God, write these truths on our heart and seal them. Transform us into who you created us to be, free to love and serve you and to love and serve our neighbors forever and ever. May it be so in your name, Jesus. Amen. Now we come to the time in our worship service where we get to give back to God, to the church, through our tithes and through our offerings. For those who are listening on the podcast, if you wish to send your offering to the church, address it to PCC, Box 2128, Costa Mesa, 92628. So at this time, our offerings are received. for coming to the communion table.
be seated. In, in Galatians, Paul also said, the only thing that counts is faith, working through love. And that's been our message here this morning of what Christ gave us. And Christ is present. Christ is here at this table. Christ is inviting you to this table where you are so very welcome. This is the Lord's table. You are invited to come and eat. You don't need to be a member of this church. You don't even need to be Presbyterian. You just need to have given your life to Jesus Christ. Come to the feast that he has prepared. Our Lord told his followers, I will not leave you orphans. I am coming to you. Wherever you are this morning, listening at home on the podcast, here in this congregation, Christ is present and beside you. Christ is present with the breaking of the bread and the drinking of the cup. Pray with me. Eternal God, creator of the world and giver of all good, we thank you for the earth, our home, and for the gift of life. We praise you for your love seen in Jesus Christ, who came to heal this broken world, who died rejected on the cross and rose triumphant from the dead. Because he lives, we live to praise you, our God, forever. Born of Mary, he shares our lives. Eating with sinners, he welcomes us. Guiding his children, he leads us. Visiting the sick, he heals us. Dying on the cross, he saves us. Risen from the dead, he gives new life. Living with you, he prays for us. With thanksgiving, we take this bread and this cup and proclaim the death and resurrection of our Lord. Receive our sacrifice of praise. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and on these gifts of bread and wine that this meal may be a communion of the body and blood of our Lord. Bless this feast. Make us one with Christ and all who share this feast. Unite us in faith. Encourage us with hope. Inspire us to love that we may serve you as your faithful disciples until we feast at your table in glory. Amen. We give thanks that on the night he was betrayed, our Lord gathered with his disciples. And after giving thanks, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, broken for you. As often as you eat of this, do so in remembrance of me. So if you would take the little wafer out of your pod, the body of Christ 
shed for you. Take and eat. In the same way, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant shed for you in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. So if you would take your cup, part of your taste, and see that the Lord is good, the blood of Christ shed for you. Will you pray with me? Nourishing God, thank you for inviting us to your table where all are welcome, and for feeding us with the bread of life and quenching our thirst with the cup of blessing. As you have filled our lives with love and hope, may we be a source of your love and hope for others who hunger and thirst for good news. Amen. After the benediction, we will do our traditional singing of the Lord's Prayer. So, My friends, we were bought, each one of us, at a great price. And Christ has indeed set us free. And our identity in Christ is expressed through our love and service first to him and then in the world to each other. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you today, tomorrow, and in the days to come. May it be so. Amen. Our Father.